Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. The Around the NFL podcast would never challenge a two-yard reception. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. All right. Three games left to the season, and today we will preview two of those three games, the winners of which play in the final game of the season, math. Kind of. Nailed it. Nailed it. And we're going to be there. We are. We're going to be in Houston. We're very, we are uh, very lucky. Shows all week, including our now famous post-Super Bowl show. Do you mean infamous? (laughs) Because we (laughs) we really cut loose. We cut loose. We (laughs) chop it up. We chop it up a little bit, don't we, Wes? Chop it up. That's why they pay him the big bucks. Uh, yes, we will be in Houston. We touched down uh, the week before the game, and we will have three podcasts uh, from the great city of Houston uh, leading up to, of course, the Super Bowl, and then right after the game, we're going to go to a uh, local radio station uh, and tape the post-Super Bowl show. But we're not there yet. We're getting there, though. And today's show will be all about uh, the games that determine who will play in that game in Houston. Uh, the AFC Championship game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots. And the NFC title game between the Green Bay Packers and Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Greg, you will be in Foxborough. A homecoming of sorts for you. Are you driving the old strawberry truck into the parking lot to do some tailgating at Ooh, Gillette Stadium? That's a gr- that's a great idea. Yeah, as Mark learned earlier, this is not strawberry season, though. Remember when oh, he yes, had that yes. incorrect uh, thing? So you know, well, no, as you no say, strawberries, <laughs> as you say. Uh, but it'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. Uh, we'll, and we'll make sure on our Sunday night show to get Greg on the phone to talk about the scene in Foxborough, which will be either very uh, happy scene for Greg or one of great doom and gloom. You're happy that you're not going to be sitting next to me in the newsroom. You said that yeah. yesterday, which I found hurtful, but that's just the way you are, which is, you know, what am I going to do about it? What I say, is that NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal? <laughs> just a, a global wow. presence. There. International appeal. That was wonderful. Don't, yeah, that was outstanding. Don't try to just skip over the pack, the part where you called me hurtful. That's just how I am. <laughs> I can't. By I'm the just way, saying, I, if was, I'm rooting for a team can, in the newsroom, I, I don't say. need other people rooting against me, right? Well, I, have, I have long learned to absolutely. I cannot stand our newsroom when you're when when the football game. You could have just stopped for, it after newsroom. Well, right, but when you're when you're essentially rooting for a team and it's not going well, our newsroom is a is a roaming poison. I believe uh, you called us jackals. Cammy Toman from Scotland with that excellent. Wow. Um, Thanks, that Cammie. just shows the global appear, appeal of our podcast. Uh, yeah, no, Greg, it's hurtful because <laughs> it's not so much. I'm not going to be like jumping up and down uh, for joy if the Patriots lose, but 
I, I will know. have a rooting interest, and it won't be for your boys. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it all makes sense. It's not personal. Uh, but even Bill's if personal. you even if you kept it inside, it's like I would know how happy you are, and that yeah. would annoy me. Dan, wouldn't you? Wouldn't there be something to be said for them getting to the Super Bowl? Yeah, and then losing there yeah. on a bigger oh, stage. Absolutely. I mean, you could go deeper pain. There. I love, like for instance, losing that AFC title game in Denver and forever. Peyton Manning getting the best of Tom Brady. That's how history will remember it. Uh, that was nice in the AFC title game last year. Uh, but a crushing Super Bowl <laughs> can't beat that for the Patriots. So you have two, you have two chances for happiness, right? That's the way I look at it. Stop. By the way, have you, you have left? <laughs> it is. I, I'm listen. I don't. I don't, I'm not. Uh, you know, putting on any airs here. I'm a, a sad, pathetic football man. I have nothing. <laughs> the Jets uh, have made the playoff once. I've been working here seven years, and 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 they're not going in the right direction. This is all I have. Mark. By the way, yes. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, on Twitter? The Pittsburgh Post Gazette put out or uh, a sneak preview of their cover. I know you're a Star Wars fan, as literally everyone in this building is. Huge fan of the Star Wars franchise. Speak for yourself. The endless. Well, except every single person in the studio. Besides the studio, everyone else, it seems. But anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, The the Gazette did a really nice job, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. The Steelers versus the Evil Empire. And uh, I just wanted your take as a Star Wars fan and as a Browns fan as the Steelers being positioned as kind of like this upstart ragtag uh, rebel alliance scenario. No, it's a, it's a roaming disgrace. I mean, this a team, second th- roaming. Th- this team has though. had nothing but success, and there is a particular flavor to Steelers fans that act with this sort of woe is me attitude because they've come close, much closer than most teams. Are to you referencing Damashek pr- right now? Well, Damashek, Damashek uh, is pretty level-headed for a Steelers fan for the most part, but these te- people acting like, oh, how could we possibly suffer another misfortune? Give me a break on the Rebel Alliance bit. That's a ragtag group of people that with, with, no, with no means. That's not the Steelers. You know what? That's, it also shows the power of the Patriots that o- only, only the, uh, the Patriots could make the Steelers look like an underdog. Right, in contrast uh, to the Patriots, yes. Yeah, because you know the team that has Belichick and Brady – uh, will always be the evil empire, and uh, please anybody that faces them. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think from all thinking humans, any any group led by Ben Roethlisberger and his off field uh, problems over the years, those aren't the good guys. Wow, <laughs> Greg went there. He went there. <laughs> and you know what? Without he, restraint. It's playoff time, so Greg is taking off the kitchen gloves. Kitchen sinking. <laughs> yeah, it's a kitchen sink scenario. All right, so uh, we will get into. Both games. Before we do that, though, we will just take a quick spin uh, around the NFL, hence the name of our show, and uh, do a little bit of news. Let's do it, Sid. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Yes, the uh, Raiders have filed their relocation paperwork with the NFL to move from Oakland to Las Vegas. The league announced in a statement on Thursday. Um, this uh, move was anticipated. Rap Sheet, or NFL Network Insider, reported Saturday that the Ra- Raiders would file their lo- relocation paperwork within a few days. This is the first step, but it doesn't become an official until the Raiders receive 24 votes from the NFL or- owners to formally make the move. Greg Rosenthal, you, again, you are connected deeply with NFL Network. I say, is that NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal? <laughs> Love it. What are you hearing in the green rooms? That was taken live from my trip uh, to London (laughs) earlier this year. In a library. Well, remember the Raiders. This isn't the first time. The Raiders filed relocation papers last year. Yeah, this felt familiar. To move to Los Angeles. So I think that's why I'm not treating this the same way as they are moving. You got to go through ownership. There's, you know, stadium situation still there. Even if it was given the green light, they're not going to move until 2020. So they, they would be in this weird in between where they'd be the Oakland Raiders for three more years. We got to see what we got to see what happens. But it, it sure sounds like the NFL and ownership have been convinced that this is a good idea. I would say that the emotional exhaustion that came with the Chargers' sudden move made this a perfect time to drop this news if you're if you're Mark Davis because they they also have an incredibly loyal historic fan base and it's almost like people don't have time to deal with this bit of news after dealing with the Chargers thing. The, the world has gone mad here. 
Why the hell are the Raiders possibly moving to Las Vegas when they have two huge fan bases, one in Oakland and one in L.A., and the Chargers, who have a huge uh, loyal fan base in San Diego, are moving to L.A. when no one wants them? Oakland will get left holding the bag. San Diego gets left holding the bag. Nobody wants the Chargers here, and the Raiders have no fans in the desert. What's going on here? What's happening? History will not look fondly upon this. No span of two weeks is what's happening. That's true. It's not a good. I mean, the NFL knows it. They wouldn't argue the point that it's disappointing to have three teams potentially move or announce that they're going to move within two years. That speaks to instability that I think is hard. You know, judging from our Twitter followers, judging it's hard for our overseas listeners to even understand. This is not something that necessarily happens in other countries like like major sports leagues where the teams just view where they play as negotiable. It's it's kind of crazy. Would it but, be the equivalent, though, of England having no soccer team and people being like, we've got to get soccer in England? That, Los Angeles was a mandate to move more than one team. We knew a second team was coming. I mean, Vegas, is there is something interesting about it. For you. That's that's not true. <laughs> How dare you. I know where you're going there, buddy. Uh, moving on, the Indianapolis Colts. Um What's up? I was just going to say a little bit of history. Uh, the reason why they're allowed to move, maybe not in other countries, but Al Davis's lawsuit against the NFL. Sure. Mm-hmm. They were the NFL lost big in that lawsuit and they cannot prevent teams from moving. They can try to coerce owners. Other owners can try to work their magic, you know, in the back rooms, but the courts allow this to happen. How do you think Al, da- Al-, Al Davis would feel about the Las Vegas Raiders? I think Al Davis loves to play sort of that foil rule where he you can't tell me what to do is that's Al Davis's rule you cannot tell him what to do let's move on to Indianapolis they moved once upon a time I don't think they're leaving Indianapolis anytime soon but still you have to wonder what's going on uh uh within the Colts right now Andrew Luck underwent a shoulder surgery uh this week he's recovering from a successful surgery it's always successful which is good but why even say successful just say surgery it should be redundant unless we hear otherwise. He's still living, so it was successful. Yeah. Uh, to repair a lingering issue uh, that dates back to 2015, should be ready. Or uh, Jim Irsay, the team owner, added that Luck will be ready for the start of the 2017 season. He will not be able to throw for three months, and it will take him six months to recover. And, uh, Greg, I just – while we're here on the Colts, what – I mean – Again, what's going on this time in Indianapolis? A team Chuck Pagano still works there, right. Ryan Grigson still works there, but it it certainly feels like Jim Irsay is kind of lying in the weeds trying to figure out how to make that not be the truth. Well, he he never gave a guarantee to Pagano that he would remain the coach. He just sort of didn't say anything. We were just left with that awkward news, conference. right? And then ESPN reported that John Gruden turned. Ursay down for the head coaching job. So that's the reason why. And that was a a strange bit of reporting because John Gruden literally denied that in the same report where Adam Schefter is reporting it. And who knows, you know, where all this information is coming from. But I think it's pretty safe to say Schefter would would know what he's talking about. So he went after Gruden. Meanwhile, another national report, I think it was Fox, said that they were going after Peyton Manning to possibly run the front office. So you've got a GM and a coach who know the owner was trying to replace him. It's wild. I mean, it's wild. Two quick things. If John Gruden's not going to accept a coaching job with, where Andrew Luck is the quarterback, it's safe to assume he's never going to coach again in my book. Number two, I feel like every offseason we go into the offseason with a couple teams with a terrible stink on them, and the Colts are one. Why, why go get John Gruden, who hasn't been in the NFL for over a decade, when you've got the brightest offensive minds in the league and guys like Kyle Shanahan and Josh McDaniel. Good question. Why are you chasing some has-been? That's like it's a lot personality of the, beyond substance. A lot of, the, a lot of this offseason, you can kind of see the ownership leading the way, and, and they, they base it like off of TV. This is a toy. <laughs> this is the owners. They, this is their investment. There, They get to have fun, and, and that's the big name, and that's the guy I want at the top of the, top of the line. Well, we'll see if how things work out in Indy, but a lot of uh, – a lot of un- uncertain times there. Let's uh, move on. Finally, I have a little bit of uh, breaking news. A couple items here. Um, but we'll start here. El Chapo being extradited to the U.S.? Let's get into it. More serious. Oh, okay. <laughs> El Chapo. 
I am not the only person in this room that has been blocked by Derek Carr. <laughs> oh, no. Breaking. <laughs> Breaking. Who wants to own up to it? I was blocked by a Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> you did not want to own up to that. Well, I kept it to myself for a few weeks. I don't know why. Greg is I blushing. Why? I was shamed. I uh, brought it up. I got no, I got no, I got no beef with that. So, I'll take it. Now the the kissing I, cousins. I think bringing it up publicly, you know, I don't need to do that. Okay, well, I brought it up, but you didn't. They let the record stick. I don't mind. I mean, I don't mind that he blocked me. I don't mind that you brought it up. I got no problem with it. Yeah. I would, bl- I, I would block anyone that's talking trash on my team. Why not? Uh, the kissing cousins at this time are safe. Well, we're lucky. It sounds like a lot of this, for Greg at least, came from negative comments around Connor Cook during that playoff well, I, game. I don't know. For all I know, I've been blocked for years. This <laughs> Maybe was so. the first time it popped up. W- yes. Wes and I were at a at a, at a a pub, and we basically got off Twitter midway through the first quarter wisely, and Smart. maybe that saved us as a friend of Derek Carr. But as a sign of solidarity, I might just reach out and block Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I, I should say this is the other piece of uh, breaking news related. Uh, I don't know if you guys had heard, but Derek Carr um, played a role – in saving a child who had somehow been uh, lost from or abducted. And he, he got reached out on social media. I heard this all secondhand, of course. I can't see what Derek Carr is tweeting. But he helps to locate an abducted uh, child in the Oakland region. And here's the breaking news. I'm going to extend uh, my drop-dead deadline for him unblocking me two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Because of this. Wait, saving a child only gets you two weeks? Yes. Tough crowd. <laughs> I think Derek Two Carr. Two weeks, Derek Carr. If you do not unblock me, I declare vengeance. He sounds like a just sounds like a great guy to me. Nice move, though. Save the kid. A very nice move and a great guy. Not a you know not a nice move to block Greg and I. That's all. Now are they at the same? It's called level? judgment. I don't know. Okay. Does That's it bring it. you and Greg closer together? This turbulence that you're riding through, you know, simultaneously. I like not being alone here. I gotta say. <laughs> Greg's not really embracing this, though. Well, no, Greg, doesn't want, well Greg wants no part of this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is good to, for us to fight some adversity together. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you're yeah, a Red you guys, Sox you guys are Yankee really going fan. through the battles here. Patriots <laughs> fan, a Jet fan, and now we have something together. <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of thing you guys can look back on three, four decades from now and We'd say. We'd be like, hey, that made us stronger. It's a real character there build. Go. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right. Hard times. Okay. What was that? <laughs> That was me singing the blues. Yeah. Um, I like when you sing, Wes. All right. Now, let's get to the games. Two games we're going to start uh, in the order in which they're played. 3.05 Eastern time kickoff. Packers at Falcons. And here we go. The Packers have won eight games in a row, dating back uh, to uh, after Aaron Rodgers' a famous um, prediction that they can run the table. The Falcons, again, all season, the Falcons flying under that radar. They've won seven in a row. Matt Ryan didn't make any proclamations. He didn't have to because people weren't really paying attention to them nearly as much. But they were, I believe, seven and five. And uh, and they just now, since then, have won every game. And now here we are. The number four-seeded Packers at the number two-seeded Falcons. Chris Wessling, uh, a game uh, of t- with two incredible offenses, uh, and Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan, the two best quarterbacks, or two of the three best quarterbacks, depending where you, you come down on it, this will be a potential classic. I will be shocked if there are not if both teams don't reach 30 points. Mm. The Packers are reaching 30 points every game. They've done it six straight, which is their longest since the 96 Super Bowl team. And this is one of the worst defenses they faced in that stretch. And the Falcons are doing it on everyone they face all year. The, the Packers' secondary has given up career highs to Matt Barkley and Sam – or season highs to Matt Barkley and Sam Bradford. Mm. They've given up 300 yards to Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Eli Manning. That's the last five weeks. That's their secondary. And Matt Ryan is the best quarterback they'll face in that stretch. And, oh, by the way, they might not have Morgan Burnett, one of the better players in that secondary, has not practiced as we tape this Thursday. He sounds, of all the questionable Packers, the least likely to play – and that's that's a thin group as it is. I think it's interesting. Dan Quinn has never lost Aaron Rodgers. He is one and zero 
He doesn't really have Richard Sherman <laughs> well, and Earl no. Thomas. Then. Well, no, but I'm saying also as okay, defensive coordinator in Seattle, he okay. knocked out Rodgers three times. Mm. When I look at this game, I, I think we all kind of feel like it could be one of these classic shootouts. And it's one of the times that uh, not a huge fan of giant shootouts, but I'm, I'm up for it this time. The What could change it, though, is if one of these teams were to have a fatal turnover or two out of the gate. If you're going back and forth and then suddenly one team gets up by two scores or something – I don't know how you how you slow it, that kind of team down. It feels the Falcons me, especially. Yeah, I feel like the Fal- the Packers being on the road um, after an incredibly emotional win at Dallas, they are more likely to get out of the gate slow, in my opinion. And if Atlanta puts it on them, we could see that. We could see them uh, just not be able to catch up, just because the Falcons, just like we saw last week against Seattle, anytime you thought, oh, Seattle might try to sneak back into this, the Falcons just dropped another hammer on them. And uh, to again, Greg, to go back to what what these teams have done on offense, this is from our research guide. This is the first matchup since 1970 featuring teams that scored 30 plus points in each of their five. Uh, or more previous games, regular season or playoffs. It's a historic matchup of two great offenses and not so good defenses. It, it's crazy. The The Falcons are a machine. You know, the, the Packers are a great player. They're not a great running game. Their receivers change depending on the week, who, who's going to sit up. It's Rodgers, whereas – and this is why I – you know, maybe unfairly was against Ryan for MVP. He, he's a fine pick because I think he is part of something that's even greater than him. This whole thing just works together. I'm not sure how they make. By the, the way. Yes. It's also what happened with the 2007 Patriots when Tom Brady had similar numbers and was the MVP. I mean, every offense in history sure. is a machine. But, but when I watch when I watch them, you don't like what what is it about Matt Ryan to you that stands out. He doesn't make probably the same, and it's unfair to put this against him, he doesn't make the same amount of wow plays. He doesn't have the, the characteristics maybe that stand out to you. Like what, what stands well, out to how about you this? for him more than anyone? He's the best deep thrower in the NFL this year in every single category you can name. He is as much credit as, as Aaron Rodgers gets and as well as he's playing right now. Matt Ryan outside the pocket was a better quarterback during the regular season. So I think almost every – he's an especially accurate quarterback. I, there's a lot of things that stand out about Matt Ryan. Last year at this time, we were killing Matt Ryan for making dunderheaded decisions, right. killer turnovers in the red zone, and hurting the Falcons. It's the opposite this year. Right. It's, he, it's no, nothing against Matt Ryan. All I mean is that the entire offense is so incredible. The play calling, uh, the pass protection, the running backs, and in and, and part of it, it, it shouldn't go against them that they make it look so easy. Uh, they, they're deep crossing routes. They're deep outs. It's just like, hey, guys, it's, six, it's second and 17. We just had a holding penalty. That maybe kills the Cowboys last week. The, the, the Falcons just drop back, and they just hit a 20-yard crossing route to Julio Jones. They flood the middle of the field with all these receivers. The zone defenses don't know what to do, and it's just like, hey, let's uh, pick up 20 yards. I just let's think do that easy. The only reason that Matt Ryan is in an absolute runaway MVP right now in my book, is because he plays for a team in a city that's just largely ignored by greater NFL media. Well, and there's other great sources. players this year. It happened to be a year where you know Brady had one of his best years. Rodgers finished incredibly. So that it's that's it's part a of it. it's still just a narrative-driven award to me. And Ryan, I think he's going to win the narrative, it. Though, and he's the, the best player. Well, let's let's look at this in a basketball point of view. Since Michael Michael Jordan and Steph Curry are names that are being thrown around to compare to Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is Michael Jordan. He creates. And he creates magic, and he does it in an improvisational kind of way. Matt Ryan is Steph Curry. He can beat you with the deep uh, throw, and he can he can distribute whoa, whoa, to all of his weapons. Wait, this I'm I'm very confused. Le'Veon Bell said he was Steph Curry. That never made sense well, to me about, whatsoever. Well, how about on on our podcast pick 'em I don't show? Don't get it. Last one of the season, by the way. This plug it, baby. Sunday is it on Saturday or Sunday uh, this week? Nine thirty in the morning Eastern, six thirty Pacific, I believe. Okay. On Saturday. Okay. You know, Greg, if you're wrong, I think uh, people will they'll find a way to get. I said Matt Ryan's listings. like uh, I. I said Rogers like Steph Curry only because of the way he reacts now after his throws. I wasn't taking it as some big serious thing. On a couple of the deep throws I've noticed over the last few weeks, he throws it and then he starts backpedaling and watching it. Like his momentum's taking him forward, but then he throws it. He starts backpedaling, almost high stepping. He's enjoying the show, like he's in the zone and he knows it and he's loving it. Dan, I got one for you, Julio Jones is former Wimbledon star Ivan Lendl. <laughs> Take that to the bank. I think that's a pretty – you know what? I'm going to throw out another one. 
Lindell, now the coach of Andy Murray, still a big well, part. still big, a factor, big a factor. I was thinking more of a Boris Becker, where he's a big, broad guy. <laughs> I'll go with diving around the field. Devontae Adams is Storm from American Gladiators. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> where, do, where do we even go? But to your there? point, Greg, the difference between the two is that Matt Ryan is more of a point guard. He's a distributor. Yeah. Guys are open, and he gets them the ball. There's a skill in that. Oh, yeah. You have to make the right decision. You have to get the ball to him. Well, and that's Kyle I mean, Shanahan's offense, too. Right. It's not ask, it's not acting him to, asking him to go through you know, crazy stuff that Aaron Rodgers does right. when he runs around and no one's touching him for eight seconds in a row. This right, is, and that, like, he, he goes through his reads quickly. That's one of his things. I think he, he almost reminds you of Peyton Manning, like how, how quickly he just goes like one, two, three, boom. I think one thing that the Packers did this year, which they've lacked in the past, is they have a playmaking tight end, huge impact in Dallas. And, Wes, I know in your Get Off My Gridiron weekly Ooh, feature, you. which was a banger this week, that you talked about, Cook. Yeah, I think I talked about him and, and sort of the conundrum with football analytics, that it's hard to separate one guy from his surrounding talent. Baseball, you've got the batter and pitcher. You can separate that easily. But in football, he's in St. Louis – Surrounded by ineptitude, ineptitude, a quarterback on the offensive line and the coaching staff, it's not going to look as good. And I think right now he is Aaron Rodgers' secret weapon. He's a guy they've needed for ever since Jim Michael Finley retired. And he, it's no surprise that he's making these plays with, with a quarterback who throws receivers open. Well, let's, let's talk about the playmakers around these guys because that's a big part of this. We know – uh, Jordy Nelson is is practicing a little bit, but not in pads, and it does it still feels like he's a ways off. We might not see him if we see him again. It would be if they're in the Super Bowl, maybe. If that's what it feels like right now, Devontae Adams is not guaranteeing that he'll play. He has an ankle injury. Rappaport believes he will play, which is good. Well, that's that's a good sign. Uh, have, still probably not 100. percent But and then you got the other side of it, and this is people are sleeping on this a little bit, especially if this turns into a real shootout. And I know. The Falcons have been able to uh, score points even without this player involved. But Julio Jones, who we heard all last week that he was kind of back to himself and that game started, he tried to make a play and the toe went out on him again. He's not practicing this week. If he's gone again uh, and they are in a shootout with a team that's just as explosive as, as they can be when things are going right, that's that's going to be felt, I think, in this game. Do we have reason to believe Julio Jones is not going to be fine? I thought – Dan Quinn said he'll be ready to rock and roll by Sunday. He said that, but he did not look healthy. He limped. He limped to he, the locker room and wasn't. Seen but he him. also, he also owned Richard Sherman in the first half of that game. I he, mean, I, before he hurt himself, and he missed. He was an almost a non-factor for the final forty-five minutes of the first time these these two, these two teams. I just well, think they it's can, something to keep an eye. It on. is, but they they have proven that when he's not on the field, that the Falcons. It's just one of these. Te- it's pick your poison. Right. They're they're they've got the best running back combination. But there's only the one Julio, too. and they send so much attention. They sent so much attention his way. He opens up things for other people. So I you know I tried to watch that last week's game closely in terms of how Julio looked. You know, I'm no expert. You would not have known that he was hurt. No. Until he left the game late. Now he did leave the game late. Maybe they were. Quinn just... also said he could have. He would have played if it was necessary. Which... I, I just don't think this is like. I'm not alarmed by Julio Jones. And and they're and they're they're thin there. I I don't know. It's gonna be so tough. They need they need some one of these guys on defense. They have a few more players you can get excited about a defense. Maybe. I mean, Mike Daniels been playing well. I mean, show up, Clay Matthews. Let's have like. Could Clay Matthews just have a game? Let's have a game, Clay Matthews. He's not they, right they need something either. I mean, no, he he's playing through his shoulder. Uh, do we have a, a little game we want to play here? Does anybody want to step up with a little game here? Do you, we want to go to the debunker bunker? It's time to go to the debunker bunker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, we got caught a little flat-footed here. Forgot to get some sound. So the banjo is on this the old iPad. I love the banjo. Here we are, the debunker. Just don't spin that wheel again. I mean, we are talking about whatever it, you do. We are talking about Atlanta, which is real close to where the movie Deliverance was yes. filmed. Mm. You can so cut it's that. Fitting. You can cut that now. <laughs> Thanks, Sid. The All listeners, right. thank you. All right, so the debunker bunker. This is a, a a popular narrative that has been cutting through social media and the newspapers and on all the, the talking head shows. And now we're here in the debunker bunker to debunk that bunk. Well, I don't know how widespread the narrative is, but Dan Quinn, the Falcons coach, their defense has only given up 19 points per game over the last five weeks. And he attributes to we're getting better because the young guys are learning our defense. Eh, okay. But you've also faced Jared Goff. 
Uh, you faced, let's see, who else? Cam Newton, who was in the, one of the worst stretches of any quarterback for the last 20 years. 49ers were in there. You faced Colin Kaepernick, who was their offense was terrible. And you faced the Seattle Seahawks attack that averages 17 points on the road because their offensive line can't block. To me, your your defense has improved because you've played some pretty crappy offenses and you're about to get eviscerated by Aaron Rodgers. Well, let's not act like 19 points per game is the 1985 Bears right. either. Well, that it, if they could some – obviously, they're not going to keep them down to 19. They, they've been better, and yet I don't know about the young players. If anything, I think Keanu Neal is a guy that might get targeted this week when he's covering Ty Montgomery or when he's covering Jared Cook. Uh, you know, Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell. Campbell had a good game last week. Those guys, if they've had a problem all year, and this happened in the first Packers game, they over-pursue. I mean, they're so fast that they are aggressive and they go after plays. You could see them, you know, being a little too aggressive and, and the Packers taking advantage of that. I think Mike McCarthy's been doing a really good job calling plays for the Packers. Also, good luck Doug, getting to Aaron Rodgers with the way that line is pass protecting. Doug Baldwin and Paul Richardson beat their corners last week right. several times only to have the offensive line not block. But this defense is also the third worst red zone defense in the la- since 2000. Do the Falcons have the players, the coaching, the scheme, to do the things that slowed down Aaron Rodgers against Dallas in the second half? Can they do that? I think they're too young. And I, outside of Vic Beasley, who scares you in that front seven? It, it's a great question because how Dallas slowed them down was really by scheming pressure. And Ty Montgomery, I think, was a big factor who to, uh, to the Packers in the second half. They uh, slowed I mean, him down a little bit. Yeah. You know, they, they stopped them. Slowed him down to 34 points. But they <laughs> right. kept him in the game. That game was 21-3, and it allowed them to score 15 unanswered. They they, I, they got a few stops there by sending blitzes, and Ty Montgomery could have lost them that game. We, that, we could have been talking about that that Sunday night. He gave up a sack in pass protection that ended one drive in the second half, and he gave up another sack where Aaron Rodgers easily could have fumbled the ball that would have essentially ended the game. Aaron Rodgers, I know you, you didn't end around about that this yes. week. Yeah, that, <laughs> he got the I, big hands holding he, on to that ball. He, he told reporters on Wednesday, size matters, and held up his hands. I'm just happy that somebody's bringing back size matters as a bit. Nice. Because it kind of got lampooned. Did, did, did it go away? It did. Well, you know what happened? Remember the Big Johnson t-shirts? Uh, Vaguely. Yeah, and it, it kind of took it and moved it to some sexual innuendo, and we kind of lost it for a while, and now he's bringing it back. Now it's back. It some... Well, what a, what, a, what a special time it yeah. is. I, I wonder, though, if one of these teams, if they wanted to go the route of keeping the other offense off the field, which do you trust more oh, man. to craft longer seven-type minute drive? I mean, we saw Atlanta do it last week early in the game against Seattle, but who has the power? Because I think Atlanta, if anything, they score so quickly – and yeah, so I the don't Packers see either of those to. teams even trying to play that style. Right. You just roll it. I, th- I do think if you're worried about Ty Montgomery, we're going to see a lot more Aaron Ripkowski in this game. Rip. We saw a lot of him in the first time these two games played. And speaking of their wi- the Packers wide receivers, uh, Trevor Davis and Jeff Janice had two of their best games of the year against the Falcons. <laughs> They're used to playing. The Falcons know what, what Trevor Davis and Jeff Janice can do. because Jeff both- Janice time? They both scored touchdowns against the Falcons in Week 8. Well, the, the Packers, I think, to answer your question too, Mark, I think the Falcons could if they wanted because they could run the ball. You know, if Freeman and Coleman had over 200 yards combined against the Seahawks, they can certainly have a big-time game. Montgomery's a catch-22 because he's such a matchup problem. He had a great game against Dallas. I think he had 17 touches for 80-something yards. I mean, he he's effective, but... He's not good in pass protection. You can't put in Kristen Michael, who's kind of limited. It's like none of those well, guys are really. You're not allowed to really... say that around here. What? You can't say Kristen Michael's limited. Well, you kind of know. How many? How many? You know, gigantic mental gaffes Kristen Michael making this game over under one. two. Um, how about uh, Devontae Freeman? By the way, he is the opposite of Le- Le'Veon Bell. Everyone's Le- Le'Veon Bell's the most patient guy in the world. Devontae Freeman's the opposite of patient. Like he's in a hurry. You get him the ball, he is going downhill. He's pa- I, I, Le'Veon Bell's patient? I, no. That's, that's no. what I heard. Huh. All right. Not it's time to pick the game, guys. Oh, wow. A lot of talk, a lot of you know, a lot of good insight there, mixed in a little bit of mirth. That's kind of the trademark of the show, that mix of analysis and mirth. By the way, thank you to everyone uh, that took part in the AMA uh, on the subreddit. Uh, that was a great success. We, uh, we thank you for that. But now it's time to pick the game. And, Mark, we're going to start with you. Well, I will give you a score. 
and the score is going to favor the home team playing their final game in the old Georgia Dome. Historic old venue. A venue that just a recent time ago had to pump in fake clapping and crowd noise to get people excited about the product, but there's no fake noise this time around because I'm locking it up! Surprised us with that one. They are going to win, and they are going to win decisively. (laughs) 41 to 31. Wow. Okay, yeah. And that's a late score for Green Bay. Okay, now that's the It's a rare move where Mark changed his pick midweek and locked it up. (laughs) Well, there's not too many options to lock it up. I'm not locking up the Patriots at home. Give me a break. (laughs) All right, so there you go. Kind of a blowout win for the Falcons. Wes, what do you got? I see this game as a degree of difficulty game. I think things are easy for Matt Ryan in this offense, and things are hard for Aaron Rodgers. Because he's great, he makes things happen. But when you take away receivers, I just think I think the degree of difficulty is in the Falcons' favor. I go 45-33. Hello. Falcons wow. win, and I'm locking it up. Woo! <laughs> Not much more room, and that's safe. You know, this lock thing is tricky now because I, I have two – you know, I got two picks as well here for these games, and I don't I, I don't feel particularly strong, but you got to do it. And I'll tell you what. Oh, no. You guys make a lot of good points about the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, There's yeah. There's no reason to disrespect them, and by no means is any pick, if I were to pick against the Falcons, uh, disre- disrespectful. I am going on the side of the legend. Aaron Rodgers in his special – that throw to Jared Cook to, to essentially uh, win the game or set up the big kick, that just, to me, it's kismet, guys. This guy is going to be remembered <laughs> for this run, and it's not ending here. Mm. He will be going to Houston, and I'm so sure about it. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. He got to go against him? Oh, what? my head. Why is my head hurting? Because I feel so strongly about this. I'm locking it up. <laughs> the Packers keep rolling, and they do so as a true team of destiny does in a dramatic fashion. 34-31 <laughs> field goal at the goal. Wow, back-to-back 34-31s. Yes. They tried to give Randall Cobb to say that it was a team of destiny last week, and he was like, nah, bro, we're the team of destiny after we win the Super Bowl. That's the only time you know. All right. Uh, That's cool. what I'm buying. Cool, Cobb. <laughs> what do you got? I'm got I got the Falcons. You know, I, I, they got too much. The, I think what Wes said put it very well. Like, I, I think it's going to be closer than you guys because I don't think the Falcons really have many answers for David Bakhtiari, who's one of the best left tackles in the league right now. The offensive. Back. They need an answer for him. They do. Vic Beasley, where's Vic Beasley been? You know, you, you, Vic Beasley's defensive player of the year candidate. He, he plays about two-thirds of the snap. He's been quiet the last three or four weeks. He's a good player, well, but I they're mean, short. I on by because his team got, his team got had, the number two seed. That's where he's been. Right, but he had a quiet end of the season before that to the regular season. He He's a good player. I don't think he's a huge down-to-down difference maker. They don't really have anyone else to rush the passer. That's the bigger deal. But Atlanta's better offensively overall. I mean, I, I the score, they have a running game. They have a little <laughs> bit of everything. Forty-one to thirty-eight. All right, a very close. What game. a game! Hey, when I can get a hero lock on Aaron Rodgers at this time in his special career, I'm well, good. it's yeah, yeah I'm good. There's another part to the hero picks. You, you've not achieved that yet, but you, good point. Okay, getting it right. So yeah. there we go. There's our pick for the NFC game. Let's now move to the AFC game. Yes, as we said. Oh, but before we do that, we have to stop in and check in with our sponsor. Dan, do you like money? I do. Wes, do you enjoy laying out dollar bills on the living room floor, stripping out of your man cannon hoodie and rolling around fully nude on piles of green cash? Nothing I like more. Gross. Okay. And maybe you'd like to hear about embattled Estonian economist Edvin Seibel, who was detained in late December by Russian police for espousing, in quotes, ideas considered dangerous to the Russian Federation. A pro-Castro Cuban during his youth, Edvin Seibel grew to embrace the tenets of modern anarchy, encouraging European citizens to pull their money out of the banks and operate on a cash-and-coin-alone basis. Seibel authored a radioactive pamphlet this past November entitled Leaving Our Cities for Nature, colon, A Study in Off-the-Grid Revolution. 
within the pamphlet, Seibel called the Russian police a floating prostitute, saying, in quotes, Russia will always be red. China will always be red. Cuba will always be red. Laos will always be red. North Korea will always be red. Vietnam will always be red. The time to vanish is now. Two weeks later, Seibel was apprehended by Russian police forces and whisked from eastern Estonia into St. Petersburg. Family and friends told sources that Seibel went dark from there until this past Tuesday when his body was found floating down the Volga River with a note attached to his bloated corpse that read, Mother Russia has spoken. Sign up for Mr. Flame's high school economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands today at www.flameclass.com. Mr. F. It's a dark read, but it gets a point. It gets the point across. Speaking of Russia, by the way, Mark. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was 12 years ago that uh, Robert Kraft went to Russia and uh, visited his boy Putin, 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 and Putin stole his ring. And, you know, that it, it, it I did a piece on the end around because Robert Kraft spoke about it again in a uh, an NFL film series, 50 Rings, 50 Days. Uh, he never got that ring back. And in 2005, a more innocent time. Hey, we didn't think much of it. It's like oh, Russia. Oh, Putin, he's the funny guy with the sh- with the no shirt on on the horse and everybody's having a good time. But all of a sudden it feels a little weird. And I'm going to give you one more note um, from uh, uh, something Robert Kraft said in 2013 in a, a speech to a, uh, a crowd at a gala at the Waldorf Astoria. The first thing that Putin said when he looked at the ring and put it on before he was swept away by the KGB taking the ring with him forever. I can kill someone with this ring. Whoa. I mean, <clears throat> this is meant to be real life, but it just reads like complete and utter fiction. Reminder, it's scary fiction. Trump will be inaugurated tomorrow. Do you know what that makes me think of? What? This banger that Mark wrote, 51 most, most important <laughs> people left in the NFL playoffs. You've got Aaron Ripkowski on here. I feel like you could shoehorn Putin right into oh, that. Yeah. That's scoring. a fair point. He could That's put Putin point. right in there. I mean, Putin's got to be one of the most 51. If he's mm. got Kraft's ring. Yeah, I mean, look yeah. behind the curtain. Wes was commanded to bring up that column during our last wow. segment. But you got it in there just before we moved on. Nice job, Aaron did, Ripkowski. Not only to get it in, he used shoehorn to represent one of the great shoehorns in the history <laughs> of the podcast. I enjoyed it. It's a bunch of pros. Read it, though. A lot of good stuff on the website right now. 51. I have decided I will never in my, however long this career goes on for, ever do a list that long ever again in my life. It was like a, a unhinged drug trip. Was it roaming? Sure. <laughs> All right. Check it out. NFL.com slash Sessler. NFL.com slash Wessling. NFL.com slash Rosenthal. You can also check out NFL.com slash G-O-M-G. Get off my get up, gridiron. Ooh, look at that. Column. I thought Wes was going to say you can also check out NFL.com. Well, that would have been the the move, but. But this is where we are. I've been instructed to say this. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Let's move on now to the AFC games uh, or game, I should say, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, man, here we are. And some level, and maybe it doesn't make sense coming from me because I picked the Chiefs last week. I don't know why I did that. But this is also kind of felt inevitable on our NFL Pick'em show a uh, little running joke I've had with Damashek is I've been telling him at the top of the show, it can only be the Steelers. It can only be the Steelers who could stop the Patriots from making what has been assumed by many for months now to be a clean getaway uh, back to uh, yet another Super Bowl. Uh, and here we are now. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers against the New England Patriots, the number one seeded Patriots. Greg, you'll be at the game, and the Pats got what they didn't get last year, which is the number one seed. They're in their building. And let's start there because I don't remember them ever losing a championship game uh, in Foxborough. I don't know if it's going to change. Well, I, I do remember it. And uh, it was the Ravens who took them to task. Oh, that's right. And and it's not the only game in Foxborough. Another rugged AFC North giant. Sure. I, I think in, in Belichick put it well when asked about home field advantage. He said, go ask, you know, go ask the Chiefs and the Cowboys about that. Home field advantage is... It's okay. I mean, the Patriots have been run out of their stadium by the Ravens a couple times. They could have lost a couple more times. I mean, it's a nice little thing. But to me, when I look at these four teams, Wes is making a base. I don't see a huge difference between these four teams. I think it's a nice year where any one of the four 
could win the Super Bowl, and it's not going to shock me. I'd rather ha- them have home field advantage, certainly, but it's it, the better team's going to win. It's not some big deal. Preposterous. Belichick speaking out both sides of his mouth. Last year, he knows they lost because they played in Denver instead of New England. And then last well, I also think Denver is a harder place to play than New England. Yeah, so Pete, that's yeah. part of what's coming into my thinking. Pete Carroll said last week the most important thing for the Seahawks losing was not playing in Seattle. Bruce Arians said last year we didn't win because we didn't play in Arizona. All these coaches believe they can sure. win if they have home field. Sure, losers lament. But the Steelers and the Packers, who played each other in a Super Bowl six years ago, they, they did it by going on the road and winning. And the Patriots have gone on the road and won. And, and so it, it doesn't seem to me like the biggest deal in the world – against the Steelers team that's so balanced, so talented, that I think what the Patriots have been saying this week, that it's going to take their best game, is not just BS. I think it's true. I think it will take their best game. I also think it depends which Steelers team we get. They were not explosive on offense last week, that's for sure. You didn't think against the Chiefs Mm. they were going to put up six field goals. But I like this game... For I don't I'm not concerned about the Gillette home field advantage compared to what Denver would be or other teams, but still New England's numbers at home in the playoffs. You point to a couple of losses. They also have some a staggering list of victories. Where at home they're pretty impenetrable. They were not. Um, they did not play particularly well last week. But you could say the same thing for the Steelers, at least on offense. Uh, which one of the which one of those games? Uh, Mark, in your opinion, would if you were a fan of one of these teams, would you be a little more worried about the fact that the Steelers couldn't get in the end zone and kind of need to get a little lucky at the end of the game to not be in an 18-18 score? Or the Patriots, who struggled a little bit before putting away Houston? I would say, well, I'd say Pittsburgh because Ben Roethlisberger has been turning the ball over, and I don't expect that we're going to get a two-interception Tom Brady game again. If anything, a performance like that by Brady is an aberration. I think people are concentrating way too much on last week's games for both teams. The Steelers marched up and down the field and punted one time the entire yeah. game. They were, I think, an explosive offense. They gashed the, the Chiefs' defense. They just couldn't convert in the red zone. And for New England, they were the hottest team in the league entering the playoffs. They dispatched with bad teams. Didn't They dispatched with the Dolphins, too. They were. I don't think that just because they struggled for a couple quarters against the Texans means that they're suddenly susceptible now. Well, that's a unique matchup. I I think that the Texans had, and I think they played outstanding and their plan was outstanding and they got pressure up the middle. We'll see if, if Pittsburgh can do that. And I I think with Pittsburgh, if there's a tiny risk with them, like they're a different team now, like it shouldn't shock us that they rack up a lot of yards, but maybe not a lot of splash plays. They've been that team since week 11 they have changed to a ball control team. And it's weird to get your head around that because you see Ben Roethlisberger, you see Antonio Brown, and we've we've argued about this a little bit downstairs, Wes. It's not that I think Ben Roethlisberger is playing bad. They're just asking him to do less. That probably ends this week, but he has not been as big a part of their team. It's a complimentary passing attack with only one great receiver because they have the best running back in football and probably the best run blocking line in football. It was a crazy how do- much they dominated Kansas City up front. It made sense they kept running. I mean, but what what coach does a better job of removing the key aspect of an offense than Bill Belichick? And mm. I, we're, I believe you guys were saying downstairs that you thought this could be a big game by default for Ben Roethlisberger through the air because of Belichick's Proven ability to take out lead running backs, guys like Marshall Falk back in that distant Super Bowl song. Really ago. Think, do you really think the Patriots can take out no. Le'Veon? No, I don't think it's. Well, I, they, I think it's they a did tough in task. week. They did in week seven when they played him. Well, that and was also with Landry, Landry Jones at quarterback. And even if they do, which is a totally different situation. And even if they did take out, and this is what makes the Steelers so exciting, is that. If, if you stop their run, they still have Antonio Brown involved. They still have Ben Roethlisberger who could take you, can just cut you up if, if he gets into the zone. So I think this is a really, I think this is going to be a real big challenge for the Patriots who haven't seen a lot of big offenses uh, this season. And people are talking up their defense now, which is totally fair and everything. But it wasn't long ago that people were saying their, their defense was a major problem. And maybe that was anyone. masked a little bit by their opponents they've been playing. They haven't played anyone. And the Steelers, well, who's Greg the- and I were talking about this. They, they're going to have to open up their offense. They've been too conservative because they knew they could get away with it. They were more talented than the Chiefs. They were much better than the Dolphins. So they weren't throwing as much. And frankly, they have this three-man rotation opposite of Antonio Brown. They barely even go to those guys at all. 
Well, that's a problem. And, and this isn't a new trend, though. For over five weeks, Roethlisberger has eight interceptions and six touchdowns. So, so that's a little bit of a problem. And I think it's just playing to their strengths. I think their offensive line, uh, Mike Munchak, deserves credit. I mean, this court, I'm not like a big offensive line geek or whatever, but watching their the coaches film and watching DeCastro and Pouncey just destroy Don Terry Poe and Chris Jones last week. It's something else. I mean, DeCastro, the I don't know if the I don't I don't really how can you stop five great offensive linemen? I don't think the Patriots are that good up front where they're just going to well, be able to stop the running game. They're a great run defense, and the magic number is 90. The Patriots have not allowed a running back to go over 90 yards mm-hmm. in 24 games. The Steelers are 9-0 and when Le'Veon Bell gets 90 yards. I think Allen Branch is a guy who's who's been a Pro Bowl kind of player this year on that Patriots defensive line, and because he didn't get good until late in his career, people don't talk about him that way, but he is phenomenal. I mean, when the, with that number, the 90 yards rushing against New England's defense, I mean, how many of those games, why is that happening when they're, they're up by 20 points, you know, at halftime and teams have to throw the they, ball? They faced a lot. They faced seven top 10 backs this year. Well, we, we've we talked a lot, though, about the Patriots haven't played any great offenses. I mean, tell me the great quarterback that Pittsburgh stopped. Neither of these run. defenses so it, face it, great offense. It's kind of similar That's to bad me. dog. I think the difference to me is <laughs> – the Steelers are a little. It is. No one is talking about that. No, I just like yeah. that you dipped into uh, Mike Francesa. <laughs> yeah. The difference to me is Steelers are a little more dynamic with their three linebackers. Shazier, Dupree, and Harrison are and really. And Timmons. Are in a, especially those three. Timmons is good too. Are a really interesting kind of combination of different skill sets that can do a lot of things. I think they're a little better just individual players than the than the Patriots. Well, I think Houston disrupted Brady last week to some degree. I mean, do you think that Pittsburgh? This is one of the best pass rushes around right now. I think Keith Butler has been great as a defensive coordinator. Can they do the same thing? Can you expect that to happen? It's interesting because we've always heard that the way to get Brady is not just with a pass rush. It's through the middle of the offensive line. And you see plays like Whitney Merciless putting a spin move on David Andrews, their center. What is an edge rusher doing coming in through the middle like that? Right. So it's it. are you going to have James Harrison or Bud Dupree coming through the middle of that offensive line? I mean, Harrison has – I think he's incredible. I mean, he's – to me, he should be a Hall of Fame type of discussion guy. And just the fact that he's doing this at 38 years old, where he you can argue he's been the best player in the playoffs defensively, and he is the key to their defense. They move him all around. Like, he'll line up at defensive end, and then right before the snap, he'll go to inside linebacker. He'll he'll play defensive tackle. He'll play in coverage. He'll, he'll play on the edge a little bit. He'll make sacks. He's got a bull. I mean, this Who, guy's crazy. Who's a bigger um, marvel physically? Brady or Harrison for what they're doing. Harrison. I am not Brady. Con- I am not convinced this is even the same James Harrison that you know was a defensive. You mean player. retired two years ago? Yeah, up no. I, I honestly think that it's, <laughs> it's literally crazy. a different human being that they've fashioned who looks very similar, but is essentially probably 18 years younger and will be on the Steelers for another decade and a half. Wes, I have all the respect in the world for what Brady's done. Uh, but he's still able to rely on his his smarts and his ability to read the field and make plays and know the offense, and his arm is healthy and, you know, all that. It's also – go ahead. Harrison, on the other hand, this is kind of, to me, equally unheard of that a 38-year-old guy that was out of football two years ago is now playing – I'm not going to say he's at the level and he was a defensive player of the year, but is a disruptive – For these two weeks he was. Game-wrecking presence. It's, to me, you know – a lot of people say it's suspicious. So let's just be honest about it uh, with him. But it's amazing to watch what he's been able to do. Brady is Greg's number one pick for MVP. James Harrison's not even going to be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, it's 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 a mountain of difference. Tom Brady had a 112 passer rating. The only other player to ever have a 95 or better passer rating at his age was Brett. Yeah, Blatt. but it, it is not better like than that. ever. Which but that's kind of crazy. That's something else. So you he can has say improved that. in so many areas in his late 30s, which we've never seen before. A quarterback improving physically in his late 30s. Right, but the skills that he has above the neck have played a big part in his ability to remain successful. Harrison, 
I mean, you have to stay physically where you were playing that position. It's, I think it's much more, mm. from a physical standpoint, impressive to me, I guess. I, I agree. I mean, saying. back when Harrison was on the Bengals, did you ever think, oh, three, four years from now, he's <laughs> going to be wreaking absolute total chaos for the Steelers again against a nearly and 40-year-old the Tom Steelers Brady. didn't even believe it. They, were, they had right. him in a rotation. Right, right. exactly. Like again, it's not, it's not the same person. I'm telling you, this is a different human being <laughs> right. he played, that they under contract. Well, have you ever every, seen Tom Brady in 2002? That doesn't look mm. like the same person either. Bingo, we're getting to the bottom of this. Um, I gotta. You want to go down to the bunker? Ooh, let's do it. Let's go down to the bunker. Listen, you know. I mean, talk about off off target music, but Sometimes I like you it. You gotta audible and get you know get into something. This is the song we went with. You know, some regrets. All right, now, you know I don't like to deal with these type of things, but I think it should be talked about in the bunker. Uh, the Steelers were rocked internally with a pretty legit issue in their locker room. The, the Antonio Brown situation where he and the players take this stuff very seriously, the sanctity of the locker room. He's doing the live Facebook thing to 40,000 people that then goes out to millions once the story blows out, blows up where he puts his coach on blast. Uh, the coach then has a press conference where he just buries him. And I think it, some people were surprised by how hard he went after Antonio Brown, who's an absolute superstar on this team. The quarterback did the same thing. Debunk this, that this actually is a legit distraction that could hurt a page, uh, Steelers team that needs everything in its uh, being to deliver a performance to steal this game. This, could, this is going to hurt them. Debunk that. I mean, I don't know why it will hurt them. I, I just Because it's a real distraction as opposed to a media-created one. Once the, once the whistle blows on Sunday, it's not going to matter. The, the, it's annoying, I think, when they're meeting with the press during the week. Is that going to impact – how they play? I don't think so. Antonio I mean, Brown's going to go for about 160, and then nobody's going to think about it. <laughs> well, Malcolm curious. Butler's done a good job against I'm uh, with Landry Jones at quarterback. Sure, I'm curious what's going on. You know, if there is any dissension in that locker room because of this. That's all. I think here, here, here's what I think. It was it. The NFL was looking into it, and I think that probably was the pivot point for Tomlin and the Steelers to take it very seriously, especially in front of reporters. Tomlin getting blown up is private speech right away, I think, well, it was a serious I don't think that if you're a coach, yeah. you're ever wanting or expecting is... that to happen. And it's right. embarrassing because because Tomlin did not – I think he came off looking fine to all of us, but there's some people that could take issue with his language if they want to. Give me a break. I think the only way it becomes – a it's again. It's just in the media. I think the Steelers buried it by Wednesday or Thursday. They talked about it as being over. It's down the river, and I do think that these teams are are drilled and trained to move on from this kind of stuff. Yeah. But the only this is not a team thing. But if he gets if he has one of these scenarios like an Odell Beckham game where drops occur and he has 13 yards at the half and one catch. It's going to be a talking point. Not that it's going to be a talking point in the locker room, though. What a matchup, though. I mean, these are two guys that taped a commercial of how good this matchup <laughs> is of them running all over the place. Butler did an okay job on him uh, last year when they played, too. And it's just a competitive, you know, Antonio Brown. He's, can the be- only, he's the only guy that Butler follows around the field. Right. And if that's all that there is, is Butler over there. I mean, Antonio Brown. Well, he can, didn't exactly shut him out. Can be, yeah, and Antonio Brown can beat anyone. That's not my point. He's just a competitive guy. The Patriots, one of their sneaky um, things they're good at in the secondary. Fewest yards allowed after the catch of any secondary in the NFL. Four of their top five tacklers are cornerbacks. That was one of my signature moves on a piece oh. I wrote. Eight Ooh. trademark, uh, you know, things to watch this week was the Patriots tackling, especially Butler and Logan Ryan. Butler will knock your knock your block off. It's fun to watch. Hey, third floor, we produced a little content this week. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. Um, over under time. Antonio Brown, seven and a half catches. Under. Over. I don't think they're going to throw that much. I think push. Throw seven and, he will have seven and a half catches. <laughs> I, no, I'll go over. I specifically I think built over. this out so you can't say push. Over. 119 and a half yards. Over. Under. I think he's going to cross 150. Okay. Mm. And half a touchdown. I, I would maybe he's take. going to find the end zone on Malcolm? <laughs> How about this one? Yes. Did you answer the question? Who's going to score a touchdown in this game? I'll give him a touchdown. Why not? Confidently, yes. Oh, nice. Uh, nice of you, Greg. What you got? How about who who gains more yards in this game, Antonio Brown, or as you pointed out, Wes, the the leader in NFL receiving yards since Week Nine, Julian Edelman, playing playing his best right now. I'll take Antonio Brown. I will too. Brownie. Hey, what can Brown do for you? Score a lot, catch a lot, run a lot. It's well done. I'll <laughs> take the better football player. bit. Yeah, no, I don't. I I probably would too. 
opening the door for another see. major. Edelman mega is playing really well sponsor. right now, but I, I absolutely. That's true. I thought he had his best game of the year last week. You know who he need, who knew who the Patriots need, by the way. <laughs> yes, Greg. Ma- Martellus <laughs> Bennett. Martellus Bennett. Yeah, no, he's so good. Where's he been? One, he's one stay catch healthy. for four yards on he four was a ghost last week. He seems to be hurt at all times. That's the only knock on this guy. Is he going to be back on the team next year? It's not the only knock on him. I I would think they would do everything to keep him. Uh, Looking all right. forward to two weeks of Martellus Bennett quotes as we lead up to Super oh, Bowl 51. Oh, I do like that Michael went down in flames, though, so. I could take Martellus. All right, here Ryan we go. Chazier versus Bennett. That's a good one. Let's pick the game now. Let's decide who else is going to the Super Bowl. We'll start with you, Greg. Mm. Key in this game. Patriots got to run the ball. Pittsburgh's going to be backing up five <laughs> or six defensive backs the whole game. I think that's the difference between this Patriots team and a year ago. I think they will run the ball quite a bit in this game. That'll be key. Slow it down a little bit. Patriots win the game 31 to 28, and uh, by process of elimination, this say. is the team that I, you know, I'm not going to pick against the Patriots seven, 18 straight weeks this year. I'm going to lock it up. It's a good pick. A dramatic conclusion to the lock <laughs> segment. In fact, uh, if not for my well-documented issues with that franchise, I would have locked this game up as well. I would, you know, the Steelers obviously have a puncher's chance in this game, uh, but I, I think that the Patriots at home, Tom Brady, it's going to be too much for him to handle. And I think that uh, Roethlisberger has thrown had some turnovers this season, and I think uh, I don't think Tom Brady's going to have two more interceptions this week. I think they'll play much sharper this week. I could see a complete effort and a game that's not as close as other people think it will be. I'm going to say 31-20 to 20 Patriots win wow. another conference title. These are the two most balanced teams in the NFL. Love this matchup. The Steelers are absolutely capable of beating any team in the league. That said, Spellcheck and Brady, they are 16-3 and at home in the playoffs since they arrived in New England. 842 winning percentage at home in the postseason. Taking the Patriots 30-27. to Wow. I well, thought you were going to take the Steelers. That's what I'm going to do. Look at you. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Rebel Alliance. I do not believe that they are that on any level, and this will be another thing that their fans cannot point to with their woe-is-me attitude. They're going to win this game and go right into Super Bowl 51. They're going to win this game 27-26. to 26. In the last minute, they will score, and they will create what is one of the worst losses for the Patriots fans in their lifetime, because this is a crushing loss. You don't. I understand everyone thinks Tom Brady is going to play to 56. You don't have many more chances. 46. To get, this may not. This is perfectly set up for them. I don't think it's going to happen. I keep seeing Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. Who would have thought that the old Zeuser and the Quiet Storm would pick the Patriots and the Steelers, uh, respectively? Uh, we'll see how it plays out. And you know what? For me, I get it both ways here. If I get it right, I got the pick. If I get it wrong, yeah, I don't like it's this. It's Christmas. Yeah, I, you can almost great job. Sneaky jinx scenario here. <laughs> Way to position yourself. Yeah. By the way, I got an update uh, from yeah. Sydney. NFL uh, pick em. No, on NFL oh. pick em. I had the times completely wrong. <laughs> they were different than last week. 8.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Oh, NFL fun. pick em. Set your DVRs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Please watch that show because uh, the third floor, that is something they're very plugged into. And uh, we, we I feel like we do – a nice job of that, trying to bring what we do in the podcast studio into what's on the television. So please check that out. Uh, so there you go. The next time you hear from us, it will be Sunday night. These games will be decided, uh, and we will be we will know who's going to the Super Bowl. Here we are again, boys. Here and by the way, guys, Sunday night we got to get our customary end of season pre Super Bowl drinks at the Cozy. Don't forget. Oh, that's Ooh, right. Yeah. Mark your calendars. The Cozy Inn. All right. Until Sunday night. This is Dan Hansa signing off. For a quiet storm, the mailman, the old boss, <laughs> and new money behind the glass. Till Championship Sunday.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.